welcome to Offkey, a member and labs podcast about music's professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linda Arnold. Hi, and welcome back to Offkey. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone listening. It's because of your support that we just made it onto Apple Podcasts Music New and Noteworthy list, which is pretty wild. Joey is a singer-songwriter originally from Vancouver Island who now lives in London, England. She was kind enough to hop on a call with me despite the time difference to talk about her music, what brought her to the UK, and what she's been up to while there. We did have a few technical difficulties with this episode as it's our first long-distance interview that we're releasing, so apologies if there are any issues with sound or lagging. Our, um, Our apartment complex is a renovated prison, apparently, so I feel like it's probably the fact that our apartment will never have significantly good Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just like all like cement walls, I bet, hey? so it doesn't really get very, through very well. Very thick cement walls. <laughs> Anyways, let's get into it, and I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. I know you worry when I take off, that I won't make my way back. I kind of like to begin each episode with kind of getting a background on like where everyone kind of like came from and grew up. So I know that now you're living in the UK, um, but you're originally from Canada. So kind of where 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 are you from? I am from the Comox Valley on Vancouver Island, so the West Coast. Okay, super cool. So very close to Victoria. Yeah, super close to Victoria, I guess, especially compared to where I am right now. Um, How did you kind of, like, what brought you to London? What brought me to England is a very long story from a very long time ago, but to shorten it down... uh, My best friend and I were going through a hard time probably about like nine years ago where life just wasn't uh, being as kind to us as it could have been. And we decided that we wanted to go to Europe and tour through England and uh, have an adventure uh, so we could, you know, like have an adventure and go where men had accents and play a bunch of shows and live out of a van. And uh, we decided this one night when we were kind of crying into a bucket of ice cream, which sounds like a huge stereotype, but it actually happened. <laughs> the next day we started booking some tour dates over here and we uh, we invited our guitarist at the time, Jesse McCloy, and the three of us left like something like two months later, wound up in the UK. We bought a van and then we just kind of drove around for three and a half months and saw one of the UK's biggest ever snowstorms and drove through that and had a lot of adventures. It was great the first time. But because of that trip, we ended up meeting a lot of people who became very close friends, uh, very much family right away. And they were the reason that I kept coming back to the UK. And eventually uh, in 20. 20- 2012, I met my husband-to-be, and uh, we ended up dating many years later. Well, not many years later. It's not it's only 2012, I guess, but we ended up dating, and uh, he's a British soldier over here, so I moved my life over here to join him, and that's how I wound up in London. That's such a nice story. <laughs> Thank you. No, really, like it, that's such a sweet story. Um, I really like kind of relate to like the quarter life crisis moment of like what is going on time to go uh, yeah <laughs> moment right now. but yeah definitely feeling like a little bit stagnant being like well I guess the location has to change if anything's gonna change 
I I feel like it was the right it was well it was definitely the right choice for us at that time. We learned a lot about ourselves and we had some really great opportunities performing some really cool shows and then you know like every musician's got to play the really shite shows where you uh you wind up playing too. We actually like one of our shows that we played which was is burned into my memory was we showed up at this venue in this tiny town. So bearing in mind this is like 9 years ago or yeah, eight or nine years ago at this point, a tiny town and in middle of the winter. And we've been planning, like we've been in correspondence with the venue, but they didn't tell us we needed to bring our own PA. They didn't tell us that there was no stage. We show up and there's like a pub full of people who are drunk watching like, I don't know, some football or rugby game. I cannot remember at this point in time, but they were all drunk. And they said, no, we want you to go play in the corner. And they said that they would still pay us. So obviously we're we're driving around the country spending loads of money because the dollar at the time was so low. Uh, we're like, well, we'll just play in the corner. And so we did. And I kid you not, we're playing in the corner of this bar and like a, a 35, 40 year old man stands up in front of us and moons us. <laughs> I was like, where are we? <laughs> so we, we definitely like we played some we played some good shows. Or we played some absolutely terrible shows on that trip, but it was the right right decision to go for sure. Oh my god, that's amazing! It, it was it, well. <laughs> I, it's funny now. <laughs> yeah, now it's funny. At the moment, you're probably like a little bit shaken. <laughs> we were like, no, it's just that it's so clear in my head still. <laughs> Time to go home. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, it's kind of funny. Hey, like if you were, I'm sure, like if you were to tour like in the same style now, you would have a very different kind of well I mean like maybe you would get like an old guy mooning you who knows but like just because of social media and stuff because you would have been able to kind of drum up attention before absolutely going to these cities it would have been so different probably I I feel the same way it's like it was kind of a couple years ago or a couple years before that whole social media started turning into something that we could utilize for music and we were kind of doing a bit of it at the time but it was still very much a personal uh, experience on the social platform so it would have been interesting to see how yeah. the first tour would have went if we had access to that yeah definitely because you can like you know at least generate like a little bit more buzz before showing up and just kind of yeah shooting into the dark and being like well I hope someone's here <laughs> that's exactly what the first tour was <laughs> But I mean, I'm sure it's still like a really good like learning experience and everything as well, though. Hey? It was. Yeah, I, I recommend it to like anybody. I think it's so important to get out there and play shows to people you don't know and be thrown into circumstances where you're just absolutely unsure of what's going to happen. I think it's so important to develop yourself that way. When did you kind of first get into music? Uh, Well, so that's a bit comp. I guess everybody's answer to that question is a bit complicated. But my like I grew up in a house where my family always played music. So my mom and dad, they had a guitar around the house and they would sing folk songs and my aunts would come over and they would sing, we'd sing around campfires. But um, I never really like I was quite young and I liked music, but my parents put me in choir to fix my speaking voice. So at the time I had like this really low gravelly yelly voice and it was kind of like a gravel box what that's what they used to tell me it was like rah, rah, rah. so they put me in choir to fix my speaking voice not hoping that I'd be able to sing and then I ended up just falling in love with singing and that was the Nova Voce Children's Choir in the Comox Valley and I just I stuck with that and fell in love with it and then because of my dad's guitar playing I was inspired to pick up the guitar and um, he tried to teach me some things and he did teach me but I was one of those stubborn kids 
that didn't want to learn things from their parents. So I ended up uh, not learning from my dad so much and just kind of hiding away with my guitar in the in the computer room teaching myself from tabs. But uh, so I guess it's like over the course of some time, but for most of my life, I've been playing music and kind of chasing this. That's amazing. Did you, was there a moment when you kind of thought like, this is like something I actually want to pursue as a career or how did it just well, kind of progress? I would progress? say it progressed, but I was like 16 and, uh, you know, like there's some really great West Coast bands and I still am absolutely totally head over heels for all of them. But um, growing up, like my influences were definitely some Mother Mother and Hey Ocean and Current Swell. Like those three bands to me were everything when I was younger. And um, they definitely heavily influenced what I wanted to do. And I looked up to them and thought that's that's where I want to be kind of thing. So I started feeling that way when I was about 16 and uh I would I would just take my guitar like everywhere and I would just for the sake of being able to write a song whenever the inspiration hit and that's something that I've been recently thinking a lot about is how I need to start taking my instrument with me and start approaching this the way that I used to when I was a kid because I would like literally go to house parties and take my guitar with me but not so I could play for people at the house party it would be so that if I had an idea I could just pick up my guitar and you know find a private place and write a song when I wanted to and when the inspiration struck so I'd say like I was like 16 when when I decided that this was definitely what I wanted to do that's really cool so then kind of how would you describe um like yourself as an artist and your musical style like you noticed some of like the pretty I guess like popular on the west coast like very yeah west coast bands like mother mother current swell um do you have a similar sound would you say or is it a little bit different um I think it's really hard to to answer that because I think my produced stuff at the time like if people went on to Spotify they wouldn't think that I had any of those kind of influences but I think the newer stuff that I'm doing in the studio right now is probably the most reflective of those bands that we were just talking about because I've gone back to um I've taken more of a like a producer's role in this album and I'm just going straight back down to like my raw feelings and I'm I'm making this album from a place of wanting to make this album and wanting to make art rather than wanting to make something that I can market. So I think that this new album would have a bit more influence from that for sure. There's some Americana and um, folk and some rock kind of vibes to it with a little hint of country every now and then. But uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that it would probably be mostly a mix between Current Swell and Hey Ocean, not necessarily Mother Mother. Not that I don't like Mother Mother. I love them. I love them so much, but they, I just don't think that I, that's what I sound like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because you do, you were doing mostly like kind of country music for the last like, you know, a few years, right? Yeah, it's been, that's what I was kind of, uh, kind of feeling and kind of pushing a little bit, but I've just kind of done that thing that I think everybody does when they hit the end of their 20s and they they want to get rid of all of the labels that they've been putting on themselves and just make art for the sake of it because uh, if we don't do that then I think we'll lose our love for this altogether yeah definitely and I don't know I feel like you could definitely not you specifically like you the you know universe um it could be very easy to just fall into yeah sticking yourself in a category and then kind of I guess pandering only to that audience yeah um, which can be safe and like secure. So it's really cool that you're kind of changing your style a little bit in a way that seems really um, organic and really natural, not like a really big, how do I say, like um, not in a way that's 
too too disruptive in a sense that it seems like you're trying to make a huge image change if that makes I, sense. yeah i think that does make sense i think that you've got the what's that expression hit the the nail on the head Is that... maybe something I, oh i hope that's an expression now <laughs> well there's something with a nail for sure have you found um living and working in london been I mean, obviously, it's very different. But when it comes to your musical process and how you get inspiration and things like that and working, um, has it been quite different compared to being on Vancouver Island and in Canada? Um, well, it's yeah, it is a lot different. I mean, it's it's a bit shocking over here because I find that when you're living over here, so when you first move over here and you're living on your Canadian wages while you're getting set up, it's really shocking as to like how much you're spending and how expensive everything is. But then when you start to work and you start to earn money over here, it feels a little bit better. <laughs> and I feel like it's actually a bit more affordable over here than it is in Canada to do things, which most people I don't think would agree with. But I think comparatively, if you're making the wage over here, I think things are more accessible and affordable uh, in regards to recording and uh, touring and releasing music in general. So I think that's one of the major differences that I've that I've kind of noticed is that it is a lot more affordable over here. Work-wise, I really like the jobs that I have over here. So I didn't think that I would find find a job outside of music that really resonated with me as much as the ones that I'm working at have. So I feel like I'm really lucky to have found the jobs that I've stumbled into over here. No, no, no. Um, what are some of the jobs that you're working on over there right now? Uh, so I am right now, I'm the social media manager for the Americana Music Association UK, which has been a complete journey. It's been super fun. Uh, their current social, or not their current, but their their latest or most recent social media manager is recording her album in New Zealand. So they needed a contract worker to fill in that spot. And I was lucky enough to get the job. And so it's just kind of opened a lot of doors for me. And I've been working under this phenomenal woman named Stevie. And she is just incredible. She's a, an incredible person to work for. So I've learned a lot about Americana and about the business over here just through that job alone, which has been so invaluable. I, I love that job. And then I work for another company called Teach Major. And they are well, they bring extracurricular music classes into primary schools as well as like in-school classes as well. So they bring in PPA cover and uh, and music teachers into primary schools to provide music lessons for schools that don't have permanent access to those programs. So it's it's been a very, uh, I don't know, it's, it just feels like everything's really well-rounded and I get to work with music even though it's my day job. Oh, that's so cool. What does the... Sorry, the Americana Music Association? Did I just completely make no, that up? No, no, you got that, but then it's with the UK. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Okay. What what do you what do you guys do? Like what is the company about? So, they are the states have one. The US has an Americana Music Association, and they're basically an organization that is they're not mirroring it per se, but they're they founded over here in the UK to support Americana, the genre of Americana music, and to create opportunities for the artists over here. And so it started a lot. I think it was about four years ago, but they started a lot smaller, obviously, because they were just starting out. And in four years, they've grown to having over a 1000 members now and they have an award ceremony every year, a conference and a showcasing festival. And then they also work with uh, with festivals across the UK 
in both the country and Americana genre to create platforms and stages for their members so that you can apply for uh, for those showcases. And uh, they also do networking events as well. It's like they they do provide their members with a lot of really great opportunities and they're working really hard to promote the genre of Americana as a whole. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> when you're doing social media for them, kind of like what does that entail? Like what is your kind of day-to-day situation like over there so right now it's really really laid back and it's very chilled out because we just came to the end of americana fest 2019 or americana fest uk 2019 uh so right now i'm just doing the mailing essentially so once a week i get to put together a whole bunch of events and opportunities into a mailing and then send it out to all of the members but last month (laughs) was a little bit chaotic and it was so much fun they had um they had a three-day kind of conference festival and showcasing festival and the award ceremony and so for those three days I was basically on the clock the whole time and we were doing live updates throughout the week and uh, the most stressful part of the job was the awards ceremony because I had to be sat at the back of the awards uh, event venue and I had all of the the winners pre-scheduled and I was just sitting there terrified that I was going to post before I was supposed to post and that everybody was going to find I was so stressed out that whole day I was just like thought I was going to mess up and then somebody was going to know that they won before they should have known that they won it was so scary but it was uh it all worked out and none of that happened so (laughs) I had a good oh that's good I had a couple pints after that and I felt a lot better (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. Like, you don't want to be responsible for the music. Like, what, Steve Harvey moment at um, oh my God. Miss Whatever, like, a few years ago? <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so bad, wouldn't it? That would have been horrifying. <laughs> I would have died. I would, yeah. But you didn't. I didn't so do it's it. Fine. So, yeah, it was fine. It was really fun, though. Yeah. Um, And then for your teaching program, that's that's really interesting. How So you're working with primary school students. Like, how has that been? I love working with primary school students. So it's something that I did in Canada up on the North Island, so up in Port Hardy and Port McNeil. I was working for the past three years. I was working with the Wild Heart Music Program, and they're a phenomenal nonprofit organization on the North Island that brings – basically a a musical program into the schools that have had funding cuts so they don't have the programs throughout the year and so I was the the musical director that they brought in once a year for six weeks to bring those classes up to the North Island so I find that the program I'm working in now is actually super similar to that it's just over here in the UK and it's on a permanent basis rather than only six weeks a year so I get to work um, right now I'm working two days a week in a, in a primary school and then the other two days a week I'm working for administration and management on the other side of things for the company. So it's been really great. It's like been a really nice learning experience, learning how it works over here and getting to use the skills that I've had from home over here. Yeah, that's that's really great. Are you teaching um, to the kids? Are you doing like voice or guitar or like a bit of both? It's a bit of both. So music classes over here are actually really structured comparatively to primary schools or sorry, elementary schools in Canada. The, the primary schools over here, they have learning outcomes for every grade and they're, you're expected to meet them in a very structured manner. So it's treated a lot like like a math class or a science class would be for what they need to learn. And so because of that, I find there's a lot more restrictions on what we can and can't do with the kids, which is both nice and challenging at the same time, because I find it gives more uh, direction throughout the class. And uh, 
but then I also find that sometimes you can't do all of the the things that you'd like to like you can't just say oh we'll just we'll just not do the lesson we had planned today and we'll just like you guys all feel like singing so we'll sing together kind of thing so um it's it's nice though I do like it over here and I do like having the structure yeah no it's interesting because yeah you definitely have to there's like a specific target that you do need to hit like with these kids obviously yeah whereas here I remember doing music in elementary school um and it was literally just like here's a recorder here's a ukulele maybe we'll learn something (laughs) which I I mean was nice I guess for like the like how distracted like a children's brain like a child's brain is but also it would have been nice to have at least come away with something besides hot crust buns on the recorder i know i totally agree so like recently the most recent class for like the year threes is that we're working on pentatonic scales so they have to like they all they're pretty bright kids but they it's definitely a little bit more structured than the music classes i'm used to in canada yeah that's funny um when it comes to kind of like touring and making music and stuff in the uk versus back home like do you find it that it was kind of like there was like a bit of a curve to kind of garner like a new audience and did your writing style kind of change when you moved or your influences and inspiration or have they kind of stayed similar oh that's such a good question um it was yeah it's really hard building up a whole new audience again from scratch especially I find in London like I find it a lot easier in other locations that I'm touring through to kind of meet your people and fall into place but it's taken quite a bit in London to kind of find my feet and find a group of people that that I get along with that I can call my friends but then also to find people that um that come out to shows just specifically to see the show so that's it has been a definite challenge but it's also been really rewarding to see it happen and I've had some support from an organization over here called Bells and Gals which is a blog specifically uh, created to promote female country and Americana artists over well across the world but they're based in the UK and they've really helped to kind of build my name up over here as well they provide a lot of opportunities and they really help spread the word about shows and stuff so that's been really helpful on this side of things and then as far as influences go I think my sound has definitely been influenced by the sounds over here but I wouldn't necessarily say it's because they're British sounds I think it's because of the musicians that I'm playing with and probably my husband's group of friends probably I think mostly um he plays he plays saxophone in the band of the scots guards for the military over here and so i oh cool yeah so i've got to meet a lot of his a lot of his musician friends and then i ended up becoming very good friends with this trumpet player and uh, her name is rona and i asked her to play music with me and i think that's probably the the first thing that started really changing my sound was having a trumpet in the sound as well so I think that it's it has been influenced by the people around me, but I'm not sure if I would say that that's Great Britain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're currently in the process of recording a new album. Could you tell me a little bit about like what that's about and kind of what the process has been like? Because um, a big thing that we're trying to do with this show, I guess, is teach is the wrong word, but just generally educate, I guess, on the industry and kind of the process for artists and things like that um so could you maybe like walk me through what the process has been to make the album and kind of how that goes yeah for sure um this one is uh, this one's a new a definite new project and the story behind the album is that this is uh this is written about the year 
that I was dealing with my immigration struggle to get over here. So I basically had to take a year off of music, um, a big hiatus, because I was not allowed to legally work in the UK. And we were waiting for my uh, my spousal visa to come in. And so this album is about that. And that's why I decided to release an album rather than an EP or rather than a few singles, um, because I, I'm choosing kind of like a concept album at this point. So it's all about that journey. So I'm not sure it's the most intelligent way to release a bunch of music because it's not a full full length album. It's only eight songs. So it's only a little bit more than an EP. Um, and this is definitely more an emotional choice than anything. But uh, to start out, I I know a few people around here that are that are really great sound engineers, and so I reached out to some of my friends that I really respected. Um, one in particular named Joe Lord, and she's just the most incredible sound person I've ever met. She's so attentive to every single detail. And originally, I had asked her if she would be a part of this project, and she is doing her masters right now. And so she said that if I could wait till September, she would jump on board. But I was too too needy with my time scale and I said that I'll definitely record with her in the future but asked if she had anybody that she would suggest and she recommended a studio called uh, the Big Smoke studio in London which is in North Wembley and it's basically like a renovated furnace so it's an incredible building and it's very unique and it doesn't look like a studio at all when you pull up it kind of just looks like maybe it's I don't know a crematorium or something it's crazy and um, I contacted them and got a day right out of them and met with one of their engineers who I'd met with previously. And we kind of talked about things a bit and decided that that would be a good fit. And then we organized a pre-production day. So we went in and laid down all of the tracks. I had a really good idea of the layout that I wanted for the finalized version of these songs so at least I knew how they were going to be constructed and I knew the general tempos that I wanted and I demoed a few of them at home myself so I had a really good idea of like what I wanted when I went in for pre-production and so it didn't take that long to lay it all down. I think for some people that process can take a really long time and if I had a lot more money I think I would have wanted to do the same thing <laughs> but I went in uh, I went in as prepared as I could have been and we laid down the eight tracks and then went away. And then we went into the studio. I think it was only a week after pre-production and we started laying the, down the tracks right away. So I got my drummer, Tom Allison, who he's another member of the, uh, of the military. He's a drummer. Obviously I just said drummer. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, it's been a long day over here. It's all here. good. No, I feel you. He I haven't had a cup of coffee yet today, so I'm like still seeing cross-eyed a little bit. No. <laughs> we're having opposite tired problems. I'm like beginning of the day. You're at the end. Oh but. my God. I'm so at the end of the day right now. So he laid down all of the drum tracks for that. And that was just, it was a really cool process to see him doing that because in all of my other, um, all of my other situations, I never really got to watch the drums being set up and tuned properly and mic'd properly. But to be on that side of things for me, I thought I learned a lot from that process. And um, it was really cool to hear the different sounds that they got out of that kit. So that was pretty cool. We did that in a day. Tom is a rock star and he was absolutely exhausted by the end of it. Uh, <laughs> and then I had a friend of mine, Christina, She's from the Comox Valley as well. She's studying at uh, at a school in Vienna, 
at the moment. And so, yeah, so she flew in for uh, two days last week. And I had my trumpet player, Rona, and my husband, Peter, on the bass. And we went in and we recorded the bass, the trumpet, and the violin, and my guitar parts. And we laid all of those down, well, actually just a week ago today. So that was, uh, it's very fresh. So we're only we're only mid-production right now. Uh, we still have quite a bit to lay down, but the next step is to get back in the studio and we're going to add some uh, vocals and the harmonies and the choral line and the the cello and a few other instruments, just some auxiliary instruments going in there. So you were very much in the midst of this, uh, the production of things. No, that's awesome. Um, when are you like hoping to release it by? Oh my God. So that is, I'm, I'm not even... Sure. I don't even have a date in mind because I have been doing some real soul searching and I've been trying to rein myself in and learn from my past mistakes. And my past mistakes, my biggest mistakes in music, I think, have been that I've been too eager to produce and get things out there that I pick a date because I'm like, I would emotionally, I would like to release a single on this date um, because I feel like I'm not doing anything and I really need to release something to be you know, valid or whatever. And so, and I, so I pick the date and then I rush the product and then I rush the release and then it's out there and it falls flat because, and the whole thing isn't even enjoyable because it's also stressful. And so I'm trying to learn from all of the podcasts I've been listening to and all the books I've been reading that tell me don't pick the release date before you have the finished product in your hand. And so I'm not going to do that. So I'm just I'm just going to make the album until the album sounds the way I want it to sound. And then I'm going to have the finished copies in my hand and they're all going to be paid for, which is going to be amazing because I'm working so hard right now. And then I'll pick a release date. That's amazing. But I imagine that is extremely frustrating (laughs) and really hard to do. So hard to do. (laughs) Reining myself in. uh. Yeah, I'm so impatient about things like that like when you have an idea and you're just like well I'm ready like I know that's exactly how I am it's I'm just like I just want to tell everybody everything it's been so hard not to tell anybody anything like I haven't told people the track listings I haven't said which songs are going on it I haven't told people the name of the album I'm trying to like really pull myself in and kind of learn from my mistakes and also apply the things that I've been learning and reading about. So hopefully I can actually, hopefully when I listen to this interview, when it's released, I'll still be following this advice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm sure you'll be fine. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It'll be good. (laughs) How has the songwriting process been for this album? Has it been different than the past? Like you were saying that when you were, you know, like in high school and when you were still kind of starting out in music, you would just kind of bring your guitar and write whenever you know inspiration struck has that you said that has that changed a little bit but it's something that you're trying to get back to a little bit more now yeah I am I'm definitely trying to get back to that I think that this one was this album it wasn't too hard to write the songs that were involved because these songs are so much these songs are so emotionally exactly where I am right now and this this album is definitely my way of taking everything that's happened in the past year and all of the things that I feel so angry and hurt about 
um, is taking them and packaging them up into something that I can be proud of so I can send it off and it can be gone. So when I sat down to write the songs for this album and then also pick the songs that I'd already written in the past year to use on the album, it was very easy for me to pick which ones I wanted to use because they were the ones that really resonated with this particular story and the concept of the album. So I think for there were a few. There was one that I sat down and I wrote and it took a it did take a fair few tries to get it out but that was one that was like a preconceived concept and then we also wrote one that actually fell out really fast and that was the title track for the album which i'm not going to say out loud <laughs> um that was my uh that was a co-write the first co-write i've ever done with my husband so my husband also wrote one of the songs on the track which is really nice one of the songs on the album which is really nice is your like just most of your what am I saying here? Um, with most of your songs, do you start like do you start with the lyrics or do you kind of do lyrics and music at the same time or is it? I think it's for most of them, it's lyrics and music at the same time. But if it was going to be one before the other, it would be music before lyrics. So most of the time, they fall out at the same time, and then I'll have the melody of where I want the verses to go, and I'll fill in the second verse, but. If I do start, sometimes things start with just like a melody or a tune and a feeling, and then I have to kind of work harder to pull the lyrics out. Yeah, the entire the entire process. Like anytime someone talks about their songwriting process, I feel like my jaw is just kind of gaping open, and catching <laughs> flies or whatever. Like, yeah, I'm just like I don't like how do you do that? <laughs> That's yeah, it's amazing to me. I love it. I think it's so healing. It's such a great it, great exercise. for. I think for everybody should try songwriting because you never really know what you're going to come up with when you kind of let your walls come down and stop blocking yourself from what you can do. Mm-hmm. Have you found the process of making this album so far and writing the music and stuff, has it been healing i guess or like has it been a good release for the frustration that you felt with the entire immigration process in the last year oh my god yes it actually makes me feel like it was for a purpose at this point and i think that's why it was so important for me to write this into an album because i i can at least look at it and say it was there was a reason for all of that to happen and it was so that i could write this and i could grow because otherwise I would still just be angry. I'd be so angry. It was, we've, we lost so much money last year and I was, I've never been, I've never been a depressed person, but I can honestly say I was so depressed last year. It was the hardest year of my life and there's just no reason why it had to happen. And at some point you do have to let go of that and you have to stop asking the world why. And you have to realize that your situation is so much, like we heard so many times, and it's true. People would say, well, at least it's not this and at least it's not that. And I, I do agree because we're so fortunate to have had the support that we had and to have families and to have so much more than a lot of other people who don't have the things that we have. But at the same time, you can only say that so many times um, before you just start feeling everything all over again, I guess, because you do have to take what you what you're given and mourn it before you can let it go. Um, so I, I really feel like this whole writing process has been so healing and um, the recording process has been really great too, because I feel like when we're recording these songs, when I wrote them, it was to heal. And when, now that we're recording them, I feel it's like we're looking at it from a totally different perspective and now it's turning into something that I'm more happy about, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, 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 that definitely makes sense. 
and it also must just feel really nice now to feel yeah secure and kind of where you are and you're able to kind of finally make this thing because you said like you're unable to work like in your industry for the last year so you're like you weren't able to tour or anything like that then hey no we went to europe a couple times but in europe it's a different there's different rules basically like i i'm sure if if i didn't have the rest of my life uh, basically on stake I would have toured illegally through the UK because it's not something I haven't done in the past. It's just in the past, I didn't have a husband that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And if I messed if I messed up in the UK playing an illegal show and that was the reason that I didn't get to stay and that we couldn't live together and that we had to change our entire life plan, I would never forgive myself. And so I sat over here knowing I could probably get away with busking but I'm not going to do it because if I didn't, it would just be the end of it. It would be so much worse. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The cost benefit analysis is a little, (laughs) yeah, I mean, at least you know that. So we, we ended up going to like, we did go to Europe twice last year on a bit of a tour, but we didn't have a lot of money to do it. So we didn't do it for very long, but it was really nice. I went with my friend, Alana Clark, who is also a Island girl. She came over and we did some dates throughout Germany and Switzerland. And that was great. Cool. It's so nice. Um, this is something that Kirsten and I talked about um, when she was on the podcast, like before she connected us and she was saying just the difference in touring in europe versus in canada or like the u.s even with everything being so close oh yeah and just yeah in canada like it's so it's such a big country it's so nice over there it's so great well you've spent so much time in europe as well it's just like when you're when you're driving and you can just drive for four hours and be in a different country you're like and that would be like victoria from comox yeah exactly it's crazy um and there's so much there's so much diversity and I feel like you'd be able to interact with so many different types of people. Whereas there is in Canada as well, of course, but just, you know, the, not even like forget even the dollar cost, but yeah, the time to get from one place to another. I think that's another thing that I've been really like paying attention to recently is the fact that it's not just financial anymore. When you look at it, you have to like really consider what your time is worth because you only have so much of it. Like you only have so many days. How many days do you want to really spend driving across Canada to get the car back? It's like, it's so hard to make those choices. Um, Are you hoping to do a tour with the new album? Like, do you have plans to tour the new album after it's finished? Yeah, I've got so I've got this really cool project that I'm super excited about. And it's just like, it just happened yesterday. And I feel a bit overwhelmed because it was one of those, one of those ideas that you have when I was like, I was walking my dog and I just kind of sparked in my head thinking I should really do this. And I had a friend who had reached out like two days prior and she, her name's Savannah Jane and she's a singer songwriter from the States. And we met in Edinburgh, like, I don't know, a couple of years ago and we've just stayed in touch back and forth. She's a uh, singing in Dubai right now on a contract. And she messaged me and was like, I'm just, I need to follow my own music. I have to stop doing this this covers gig with these cruise ships and these contracts. Like I have to get out of this because I need to follow my own art and I can't focus on my own art when I'm focused on this as a job. And so I told her that she needs to like commit herself to something in a project. And she wanted to do the Edinburgh Fringe this year. So I was like, you should, you should do it. Like go to the Edinburgh Fringe, book yourself your first gig so that you don't take another contract so you can focus on yourself because you're basically the only thing that's holding yourself back right now because you're not giving your chance to fall yourself a chance to follow what you want to do 
And then I was thinking, oh, it would be great if she came over and we did some tour dates together. And then I thought it would be even better if we included a Scot and a British person because, you know, Mm -hmm. the Canadian U.S. rivalry, quote unquote, and then the Scot and the Brit rivalry. And if we got four four (laughs) women together and we toured all the way through the U.K. and up through Scotland and then ended at the Fringe and did some shows together, it would just be a really cool way to do like a song circle tour. So I reached out to a British friend who's a singer songwriter and then one of my Scottish friends who's also a singer songwriter. And I gave them like a two week chunk of dates. and Everybody just kind of went, yeah, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. And then I talked to Bells and Gals, the blog that I mentioned over here, and they're interested in sponsoring the event with coverage and helping us get it off the ground. So I think we're going to be doing like a two week tour with four women just traveling throughout the UK this year doing a song circle. So like Nashville style songwriters uh, performance just throughout venues in the UK, which I'm very excited about. Like, I'm so pumped about this. (laughs) That sounds so cool. That sounds amazing. When when would that be? So when is the Edinburgh Phil Fringe Festival? The Edinburgh Fringe is in August, so we'd be heading out. I I think we are throwing around the dates of July 29th to kind of August 11th area. And then at the end of August, I think I'm heading over to Germany for a week or two to do some shows around there as well. Cool. Where, um, so you said you went to Germany earlier in the past year. Is that like one of your like preferred countries to go to when you're touring and playing music? I really like Germany. I, I don't know. I really like it too. I, I just like something about Germany just makes me really happy and it always has. <laughs> so I, I do. I love playing music in Germany. I think the Germans really appreciate live music. They're the kinds of people where they actually sit and listen and it doesn't matter if it's in a bar or in an actual theater. Like if you play in Germany, you'll have people listening to your music and then people who want to talk to you after and you make a lot of friends. So I really like playing in Germany. That sounds so nice. I think especially as a non like European artist or a non-German, like that must be a really nice reception to get. It's so great. I think that I think Alex and Kirsten would probably agree uh, with that as well but one of our fa- one of my favorite shows that we did was this show in Cologne at the Culture Cafe and that was just like a packed house we we knew nobody in that town and it was like a packed house and uh, everybody listened to every single word that we said and you could hear a pin drop and it was just phenomenal to have that kind of reception for three people that they didn't know and it was Uh, It was one of those moments where you're just like, oh, I wish every night of every tour was like that. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's that's really special. Yeah. Do you – how is it – like, how is the reception – like, how do you find it in London versus – I guess I kind of asked this already, but yeah, the audience back home, like you said that you're kind of building that up now, like a little bit of a base and a bit more of a community – Yeah, it's starting to turn into that. But I mean, that said, I've been really trying to play a lot of shows lately. And so I've been I've been not turning down gigs as often as I should be, I guess. I've just been kind of playing whatever I can to try and build my audience. And uh, last week we played three shows and the first two shows were uh, the first two shows were very quiet, but we did meet some cool people. But like, I'm talking like six people in the whole room. So they were very quiet. (laughs) And then on Sunday, which last night, last night, yeah, it's Monday today, uh, we played a gig and there, there was, it was full of people and everybody listened. So it's really hit or miss, I think. And it just depends on 
the luck of the draw, really, because there's a million things going on in London all the time. Yeah, I was going to say that like is definitely a blessing and a curse in situations like that with, yeah, big cities, I imagine. Absolutely. And the theater circuit over here is huge. Like it's it's incredible over here. You can see so much theater and so much musical theater, but it's also in turn another competitor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I know like I found in London anyways, I love it there, but and there's so much going on, but because it's so busy, there's so everyone has their community within the city. And I imagine as like being not necessarily like an outsider anymore at this point for you, but like, yeah, being somebody that's a little bit on the outside of things that have been established for years must be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, a bit. A bit I would def- I still call myself a newcomer. Like I've been here yeah. and I've been allowed to tour again and allowed to play music again since September, but I, I'm definitely still a newcomer. Like this city is uh, grueling at times, but also amazing, yeah. like absolutely amazing. And the fact that you can play so much live music and hone your craft and meet so many other musicians who are incredible, like incredible musicians. It's really cool. I love this city. What do you have? Um, so obviously you're extremely busy right now for doing the album, um, but what do you have kind of coming up in the next, you know, couple months or up until like a summertime before you go on tour for the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? So we've actually, we've got a few gigs coming up this month. And the first one is March 15th at a little pub called the World's End Pub. And that's in Finsbury Park. And the cool story about the World's End is that, I mean, he won't be there and they will not be there when I'm performing or I'd be a lot more stoked about this gig. But Ed Sheeran used to frequent that pub. And recently, as recently as last month, Mumford and Sons actually played there. So I'm pretty stoked to be going to the World's End. Oh, cool. I know. It's just, it's this tiny pub in the middle of, well, Finsbury Park so it's not even like the busy busy part of London and they did like an unplugged show there invite only like last month and I was so jealous that I was not on the invite list (laughs) oh that's crazy (laughs) it was super crazy I really like that area it's really cute the first time I was in London I stayed I was in Crouch End oh I love it there it's so good Um, yeah so cute so good it is so good and then we've got um we've got a gig at the camden chapel coming up on march 28th and that's a new venue that i think that's only been open for about a month but it's a very intimate venue i think it only seats 40 ish people and they seat everybody on the floor in pillows so it's kind of like a house concert feel to it oh that's nice it's super cute and i'm supporting a phenomenal artist i say phenomenal a lot but she is her name is holly rogers (laughs) and she's uh, i think she's originally from down in Cornwall but now she lives in London and if anybody's listening you should go check out Holly Rogers she's going to be one of the girls who goes on tour with me this summer as well I'm very excited for that and then we also have another gig on Friday March 29th at the Islington and I'm really excited for that one because that is a full band gig so I'm going to have the trumpet player and the drums and the bass and it's going to sound a lot more full. Cool. Are you going to be playing some of the tracks off of the new album? I probably shouldn't, but I probably will play mm. one or two. <laughs> <laughs> I Yeah, we'll probably play one or two. Where can people find you and your music and everything like that? The easiest place to find me and my music is www.joeyclarkson.com because I've got all of my links up there. So you can find my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I've only recently started to really grasp Twitter 
in the last year. So I'm quite excited to have new friends on there. And if you're on Twitter, I would love to talk to you. Um, and then you can also find links to my Spotify and YouTube and all of that jazz. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Joey, for coming on, even though we've had a technical difficulty or four. Um, but <laughs> we persevered. Really nice. <laughs> yes. Thanks. But no matter how far I may go, Thank you so much for listening, and thanks again to Joey for coming onto the podcast. Links to the show notes are in the description, so check those out for more info on the topics and the shows that we discussed. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review so we can keep bringing you new episodes each week. If you have any topics that you'd like me to bring up with one of our next guests, please either email me at offkey@membran.net or send me a message at either membranlabs or Lindsay Arnold on Instagram. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membran Entertainment Canada, a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We are also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membran Labs, you can find out more information on our website, www.membranlabs.com. Anyways, that's it for now. I will see you next Monday, and I will play you out with Home by Joey Clarkson. I'm getting used to sailing sky high And counting patchwork squares below Chasing my dreams on the horizon Moving fast enough that everything seems slow you and I, we have an understanding I let you know I'm safe after every landing No matter how far I may go If I don't call a right enough, I hope you know That there's no space or distance that could change the way it feels to see your face when I get to silence my thoughts the time apart it breaks my heart in two i know you worry when i take off that i won't make my way back home to you but no matter how far i may go if i don't call a right enough i hope you know that there's no space or distance that could change the way it feels to see your face
always be, you'll always be my home.